Faithful listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With us this week, Eric Ganster comes through to talk about trail cameras. And if that doesn't excite you guys, um, I'll be really surprised. So Eric runs a badass page on Instagram called Trailcamology. He's got some of the coolest pictures I think that you can run across being taken from trail cameras on the social media, at least as far as I see. Uh, Eric's from down around the southwestern part of our state, and uh, he's been running cameras for a long, long time, guys. So in the episode, I try to pick his brain a little bit on, on talking about a lot of different camera companies and some different camera companies that you should look at and maybe some stuff that's flying under the radar that you've never heard of. And, and you might be able to get a good deal on that stuff or that stuff is just amazing and it's been out for a long time and no one really knows about it. Or maybe it's a mainstream camera that he really supports or talks highly of. Uh, we also talk about setting them up, the way they kind of work, and uh, just, just a great conversation going into uh, a very knowledgeable guy. So I hope you guys really enjoy this. I really highly suggest that you go and check out his page over on youtube also the trail Camology and the instagram i'm telling you guys he's got some really nice stuff on there and as, as far as this guy's knowledge don't be afraid to reach out and ask him any questions you have like hey should i buy this camera hey have you tried this camera what's your reviews you know he is not obligated to anybody and that makes a big difference you know whenever you're looking for critique for something or review on something so i really hope you guys enjoy this one as much as i did here we go. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With us today, we're joined by Eric Ganster of Southwest Pennsylvania. Eric, how are you doing, buddy? Doing real good. Man, how are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm super good. I'm, I'm so excited for our conversation here. I know we were talking a little bit before we come on, and uh, we were talking about trying to keep it a uh, little trail cam talk, and then... Of course, I'm sure we're just with the passion of whitetail hunters that we are that we'll definitely, definitely get into that a little bit. So, Eric, just let us know who you are, man, where you're from, and kind of what you got going on. Yeah, I live in, uh, live in southwest Pennsylvania. I, uh, I work a full-time job in manufacturing, and, and uh, my, my side hobby is, is trail cameras. I've been doing it since, since they first came out way back when, when uh, – you know, you used to have to put a roll of film and, and six or eight D batteries in a camera, and and then you'd go to the drugstore or wherever and develop them every few days. And the one hour development. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And spend a fortune for uh, you know a thousand pictures of squirrels and birds, and and maybe if you were lucky, get one good buck or something. But so yeah, that was that was my start. Um, you know, and I, I grew up in the country. Mm-hmm. I've always had a passion for wildlife and and whitetails and hunting, and you know, so taking pictures of them was just a natural progression for me. And then when the trail camera uh, phenomenon came on, um, that's when I got into it and, you know, and that progressed into the digital cameras and then to the point now where I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed addict. Uh, at any given time, I probably have 75 to a hundred cameras out in the field, a few different States, a couple different States, primarily right now, West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Um, a few different counties in Pennsylvania. I've got cameras in Washington, Green, Allegheny, uh, Forest, and Warren counties currently. 
Yeah, man, you got you got cameras all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, we were talking about the history of the trail camera, and I just want to go into a quick story because I'm uh, I know you'll appreciate it. So, I remember uh, my dad bought probably one of the first, like you said, trail cameras, and um, <laughs> I can remember we would always do that. You know, when you'd pull the film, we would run to Rite Aid and then we'd sit in his yeah. van with him for an hour and we'd <laughs> wait for it to get developed because you're so excited, you know, and at that time... I was, it was like a hunting itself. Uh, you know? it, was like, it, was, it was like the same excitement you get from hunting. Yeah, and I remember, um, you know, what did you get, like 30 pictures out of that? Yeah. It was not yeah, a lot. if you were lucky. Yeah. And, and if you were lucky, you got a week out of uh, D batteries, very right. expensive D batteries. <laughs> oh man i remember i remember the old days and i also remember uh, it's kind of off subject but uh, my dad had like one of the first fox pro game calls okay it was like the first of its kind i remember him buying that and even then i think <laughs> as many years ago as that was and i know that there is somebody that works for them that listens to this um it was the first one they made it was green you know it looked like just like a nine volt flash flashlight no nothing fancy and mm -hmm. um it had eight to 12 calls i can't remember what it was but i, I think then it was like 350 dollars. and I, I, I'm, luckily my mom doesn't listen to this podcast because if she did <laughs> as many years ago as that was like she would probably slap him but yeah um but yeah back to the trail cam talk uh yeah it, it was it was really wild man and I, i'd like for you to touch on that like how did you see the trail cam market kind of i want to say market but uh the boom like how did you see it kind of happen and what do you think went on with that uh, it, it blew up with the, with the, you know, introduction of digital to where you could download pictures to your phone, to your computer, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it, it blew up at that point. And then hunters started getting, I mean, it, it's a fantastic tool for hunters, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a very less intrusive way to keep an eye on what's going on on the property that you hunt. So, you know, especially if you're, if you're a big buck hunter, you know how, finicky they can be and, and how a little bit of human scent in the wrong place can can push them completely out of the area mm -hmm. so trail cameras have allowed us to to keep an eye on those those particular animals and deer without without stepping foot on the property nearly as much i mean yeah. you still got to go in and you still got to check them you still got to change batteries now and then but but the progression over the past oh, 10 12 years has just been amazing you know the the, the quality of the cameras now the quality of the pictures quality of the videos the the cellular camera revolution i call it it is just blown up and the cost of cameras has really become you know it's it's it's, in, it's allowed a lot more people to get into it back when the when the digitals first started coming in they were pretty cost prohibitive you know they were very expensive units they got horrible battery life a picture quality was you might be able to tell it was a buck mm -hmm. you may be able to count points but they weren't uh they weren't what i call postcard quality shots by any means right i think that i'm going to have to dig through some old pictures that i have either either they're here up here at my house or they're still at mom and dad's and i'm going to have to post a picture from one of them old cameras just because because it's been so long <laughs> since i looked at one of them old photos but yeah that would be pretty cool kind of like a little blast from the past there yeah um but yeah i i can kind of remember that uh, flipping over to what it is, I don't want to say what it is today, but what when it when it did flip over and how the camera game changed and um, it seems like the the prices though, like the price point hasn't changed too too much from what it was. I I, I remember them being like 
I mean, obviously you have your your much better cameras and they're a little more expensive, but that that fifty mm -hmm. to one hundred dollar price point, I feel like has been that way for a long time. There's um, always been a few cameras in that in that niche, um, but now you can get a much higher quality for the for a hundred dollars, or mm -hmm. you know, even even some of the what I call off brand cameras that are coming direct from China mm -hmm. um, are pretty impressive for for the price point that they're offered at mm -hmm. uh yeah it used to be if you wanted a good quality picture you know back in the day you know cuddyback was king yeah cuddyback put out some fantastic cameras but they came with a with a pretty hefty price tag back yes, then i remember those uh, days yeah i remember they their big claim to fame was their trigger speed yes yeah yeah mm -hmm. they did they they put out a great camera um and and they still do uh they still they still put out a good camera but there's a lot more competition oh my goodness it seems like uh you know back then you you had two or three players in the game now gosh there's got to be a dozen maybe even more uh probably more 15 or 20 different quality manufacturers out there yeah yeah i agree totally with you and um that's you know that's another thing that we're going to get into here um uh, you you've hung you know countless and a pile of different cameras and like that's why one of the reasons i'm so excited to have this conversation with you so can you walk me through setting up a camera you know for you yourself when you go out to set them up now when i go up yeah, yeah. I, now i know i mean there's there's it's a really loaded question because mm -hmm. um you know i guess what what is the first thing do you look for do you try to put your cameras on scrapes if you do put them on scrapes do you hang them high do you hang them low do you hide them in the weeds i mean there's just so many things to get into here so just try right. to try to steer our conversation a little bit here for that question sure yeah what i do uh first and foremost i run cameras 24 7 365 um so i'm out there i try to capture unique shots i try to capture uh unique backgrounds and, and try to make a you know again like i call a postcard quality shot like mm -hmm. you know maybe that would be a, a a sunrise or a sunset in the background and and that kind of thing so i don't necessarily target any one species um and i i laugh i call deer deer boring for trail cameras yeah. you know for for a true camera junkie like myself and uh -huh. several others for Eight months out of the year, deer are boring. Mm -hmm. They get exciting. This time of year is when, when I get excited to start getting deer on camera. So at this time of year, I will take out and, and mostly food sources. You know, early summer, midsummer, late summer, mm -hmm. I'm looking at food sources. As the season draws near and hunting seasons start coming around, I start moving those cameras into staging areas. Uh, I typically, and, and I get a lot of uh, disagreement with this, and a lot you know there's a lot of variables if you're on public land or private land if you're on public land hide your cameras high or hang your cameras high hide them right disguise them i've gone to the point where i've glued uh sticks and leaves to the to the body of the camera just to try to keep them out of people's eyes um mm -hmm. i mean if somebody finds a camera and they want it they're going to steal it right if they want it you know i try to keep the try to keep it out of the line of sight as much as possible so i do I don't do a lot of public land camera work anymore. Um, I've had a lot of bad experiences over the years. I've probably and probably had 40 to 50 cameras stolen over the past 15 years. And almost 90% of those have been public land. Wow. And I've also had to where people, if they don't steal them, uh, they shoot them. I, I've had them shot off of trees with shotguns uh, for whatever reason. Maybe, what the maybe heck? I'm. Yeah, maybe I'm in an area that they don't want me hunting, or, or maybe it's just kids out there just, just being kids. I, I don't know. 
so that said, a lot of my stuff now is, is private land, which I've been fortunate enough to, to, you know, acquire and, and be able to uh, hang cameras and hunt on. I, if I'm on public land or private land, I'm sorry, I, uh, I like to hang my cameras low mm. and that's just a personal preference to me. Uh, a lot of my sets are 18 to 24 inches off the ground, whether that be on a tree or on a, on some sort of a mount out in the field or a food plot. But I like to hang the cameras low and I angle them slightly up. It just gives me a better, I think it gives a better quality picture mm -hmm. and it gives a little better perspective and it allows you to capture that background again like, like i said i'm trying to create mm -hmm. good quality shots yep the average deer hunter and and probably you know the majority of people out there using cameras they don't care about the background they want to be able to count points mm -hmm. they want to be able to count you know to, to see what kind of quality deer are in their area myself i try to go the, the you know the extra mile and, and put out a good quality pick so that said, I, I hang a lot of stuff low, slightly angled up. Um, I try to avoid trees, uh, grass, anything that's going to cause false triggers. Mm -hmm. And, and if, if I'm hanging a camera in an area like that, I have a pair of clippers that I carry with me and I'll try to trim as much as possible uh, just to, just to get cut down. You're always going to have false triggers. It's just, it's just part of the game. Um, but I try to cut down on as much of that as possible. Now, but yeah, this time, and you know, and as we go into fall, uh, I, again, I'll start looking to transition areas. Uh, I love scrapes when scrapes start showing up. Mm -hmm. um, I love putting cameras on scrapes, especially in video mode. You can capture some really, really cool stuff there. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised if you haven't tried it, how many deer will actually visit that scrape, both bucks and does. Uh, and then, you know, as hunting seasons come in, I, I may move them once or twice more. But typically, once once hunting seasons come, I, I leave the cameras alone. I try to stay out of the area as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to get much scent or anything in there. So you, right. do you let your cameras soak year-round then? Um, I'll, I'll leave them out year-round, you know, unless there's an issue with them. Um, you know, if there's something's not working correctly or if they're eating batteries, uh like they shouldn't, then I'll, I'll bring them in and, you know, either, either junk them or, or do a little bit of repair on them, figure out what's going on. But yeah, most everything I have is, is been out year round. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, the Exodus brand. I have a couple Exodus cameras that literally have been in the field for five, six years now have never, never came in. Wow. Yeah. I change batteries once in a while, swap the cards out here and there and, and, and they've stayed they've gotten to the point where some of them, the, the, the straps have actually started growing into the tree, mm -hmm. or the tree has started growing into the straps because they've been there so long. Wow. And they all still work? They do. They do. They, they, yeah. I mean, that's, yep. that speaks pretty good volumes. Yeah, that's a, that's a testament to those guys. They put out a, they put out a good quality camera. Um, now, when you are, you said you're getting an angle, right? How do you mm -hmm. normally set it? Do you use the stock straps? Do you use paracord? Do you use uh, twine? Um, or wire. again, um, private land, I use, I use straps a lot of times, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I laugh. I should have patented it years ago. I, I have a little meme that I created called the stick. You know, I think everybody that puts enough cameras out, you, everybody uses a stick to get that angle, whether it's, you know, the bottom of the camera, or the top of the camera, mm -hmm. but I jam that stick in there and, and, uh, just get the angle. And I try to set 
uh, what do I want to call it? Like looking down a trail or looking where I expect a deer instead of, instead of being at a 90 degree angle, uh-huh. I try to get it to where that camera is triggering as the animal enters okay. where I expect it to come from. So instead of setting, you know, on a field edge, for example, I don't just stick it on a tree and, and at a 90 degree angle to where I, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I, I try to stick it down from where I expect that deer to approach or where I expect that turkey to approach or whatever animal it may be. Right. And how many of your cameras do you run in video compared to picture mode? Uh, I do. It's probably 50-50. I do a lot of video. Okay. Now, do you yeah. run, um, like, I know a lot of cameras have a hybrid mode uh, where they'll, mm-hmm. you know, take some pictures and take some videos. Do you use that at all? I do. I do. Uh, it depends on the brand. Some One of my pet peeves with them is some of the cameras will take three pictures or whatever picture burst before they take a video. So a lot of, you know, in those particular cases, I don't use hybrid mode because you'll get to three pictures mm-hmm. and then the video is nothing but the ass end of a deer walking away. I, I much prefer the ones that, that take the video first and then maybe snap a picture or two after. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I do, I do use that quite a bit. Yeah, I, I have, I, yeah, I would say I'm right there in a boat with you. I have mixed emotions or feelings about that setting. I I turn that on when I'm feeling froggy, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So you put the camera at your approach, you know, where you think the deer may be coming down uh, the trail. Now, what if what if that is facing a certain way? Do you take in in any consideration the way that your camera is facing? You know, is it facing south? Is it facing north? Is it facing east or west? No, I I don't. And I know a lot of people do. And I'm not saying they're right or wrong or I'm right or wrong. Um, I I purposely will face cameras into the into the sunrise or into the sunset. I see. Um, and I know I'm going to get a lot of washout first thing in the morning, last thing in the evening when the sun. I know I'm going to have pictures that are that are useless because they're washed out. But I also get a lot of pictures that are phenomenal mm-hmm. as the sun is rising and as the sun's setting. Uh, so to me, it's a trade-off. Um, and again, a lot of what I do is for pick quality. Right. You know, for the typical hunter that that just wants to see what's going on. Yes, I, I would say avoid east and west. Uh, you know, try to get your cameras. Again, if you're if you're out chasing a big deer and you really want to put your cameras high, get them up out of the line of sight, and and you know avoid facing east and west, and you're gonna you're gonna be less intrusive to a big deer. Some something that's more. Now, I say that, and and I'm I'm very fortunate that I've got a couple hundred acres down here that that I'm that I'm fortunate enough to take care of and hunt. Uh, I think my deer know me, and I know a lot of people will probably laugh mm-hmm. at that, but I really think my deer, I'm out there so much, mm-hmm. uh, usually three or four times, and I've seen the same deer year after year after year, and I've seen the same bucks. I've been able to watch bucks grow from from yearlings into five- and six-year-olds that I honestly think my deer know me. They know my patterns. They know my scent. So I don't, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to where my cameras are out there or what height they are. You know, I still try to practice good scent control because a, a, a big buck is a big buck. If you, if you spook them, they're going to be gone. So, uh, but I don't pay as much attention as a lot of guys. Like, you know, if I tell somebody from, from Iowa or Ohio that that's hunting public land, they're going to say, you're crazy. You have no idea what you're talking about. You mm-hmm. can't do that kind of thing. But um, it's just, it's just personal preference on my part back here that i don't think it bothers them nearly as much right 
Yeah, I would say you're right, though. Unless you have multiple different people tracking in and out on a tract of land, right. uh, I don't think that the deer are entirely too pressured. I am fortunate enough to hunt a, it's not what it was, but a public land area where there was a road that wasn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. And while it was like that, uh, it was great hunting. I mean, absolutely good really good and uh the road was kind of fixed up a little bit compared to what yeah. it was and since then you know it has been not as good right and it is it is that de- most definitely from uh you know the travel and and before there just wasn't i mean there was no footprints in there mm-hmm. now there's a couple in there and so i i think that it's just any tract of land if there's just the same scent too i don't think that, right. that really affects the deer too too much well and then you know those, those deer live there 24 7 right they, they know that's their bedroom they that's they know true. exactly what happens at every given moment so <laughs> yeah yeah i find it funny you know i do a lot i have a four-wheeler and i take a side-by-side out mm-hmm. and i found checking cameras um if I ride around on my four-wheeler, I can ride right up on deer, and mm-hmm. they, they won't run. They'll stand there. They'll watch me. Now, the second, if I'm walking that same path, checking cameras, yeah. they, they won't stick around. But as long as I stay on the four-wheeler in close proximity and leave it running, yeah, it doesn't seem to bother them. Yeah, I, we run into the same thing for sure. And it's funny because your urban hunters, they like this conversation. I've talked to a couple of them, and they'll tell you, you know, you're playing in the backyard with your kids all the time or whatever or a family is, and uh, you see these big deer in, in people's backyards in suburbia. I call mm-hmm. them the, the suburban nights or the city deer. Yeah. And they don't care, you know, and you can just play in your yard, but it's like the moment you step in them woods and that's not normally what you do. Now it's, there's something wrong. You know, that's what right. alarms them. They, they, so they're, they're, they're just like us and we're just like right. them, if you will, you know, whereas we're creatures of habit. And yeah. um, I remember an old, this is an old Nickelodeon show, and uh, you may or may not know about it. It it was it was called Pete and Pete, and this is like a stupidest thing to compare it to, but it's, <laughs> it's funny because it sticks in my head. And they had this stupid character that uh, they paid, and he was like the strongest man ever or something like that, and they paid him to move their neighbor's house. And so they show, you know, a stupid thing, like he goes over and grabs it and like goes to like move the house. Well, here he moved it like an inch and a half. Or like an inch or something like that. And they show like mm-hmm. the guy going up to the door and he tries to stick his key in the door and he misses several times and he's like right <laughs> beside it. And um, he goes in the house to, to put his shoes down or whatever and he puts his shoes to the side and like he they fall off the ledge and he's like scratching his head like what's going on? And, uh, <laughs> you know, he goes in to press the buttons on the remote and, and he couldn't hit the power button on the television and it just you know it's just a comparison that just that little yeah and and that's the same way in the deer woods yeah, just a slight little bit of difference and yes. and i i preach that you know i've got a few family members that, that hunt with me out there and uh-huh. uh, i preach that come hunting season is is you've got to have a good approach you've got to you've got to pay attention to your wind because even though i'm out here year round they know when somebody different's there. They know when somebody's taking the same trail to the same stand day after day after day. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that's a hard concept to get through to the older generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're used to walking up the trail or walking down the tractor path and, and plopping their butt in the stand and breaking out a cup of coffee. And yeah. so 
you know, but I told him, I said, you know, you got, you guys will shoot year and a half, two year old, eight points every year, mm-hmm. but you're never going to kill that five or six year old. Mm-hmm. And, and those, yeah, but no, they're I, fine, you know, and, right. and then, you know, the, the older family members of mine that hunt out there, they're fine killing a nice two year old eight points. Yeah. yeah right. They're, they're tickled with that. Yeah. And that's, uh, we talk about it on the show all the time. You know, what, what kind of skin are you putting in this game? You know, what kind of, right. what kind of blood and effort are you putting in then too also? And then also like, what are your expectations? Because if you're an individual that's hunting an area that is holding, holding two and a half year old deer, maybe a three year old deer, and you want to shoot a 150 inch deer or a, a deer that weighs 280 pounds, you, it, that's not going to happen. Right. You, yes. You might be there to do that, but that's not logical. Right, right. right. And then you, you, so you, you talk to them and you're like, you know, if you're going to put the skin in this game, maybe you get some more cameras up here or over here on the public, or you knock on this guy's door where, where you uh, were driving up the road one day and you seen a larger deer out in the field or whatever and ask for permission or whatever it is. And then on the flip side, like you were saying, you don't, maybe you don't hang a tree stand. Maybe you go in and hang and hunt. And then the next night you go 70 yards from, where you were just hanging hunting and you hang and hunt there because the wind has changed or right. uh, it's a different time of the day and the thermals are different. It's just, there's, there's so much skin to put in there in that game. And you, if you're going to be good at it, that's how you get good at it. You know what I mean? It is. It is. It is it's, it's a learning process. Um, I learn more every single year. I learn more and more about deer. I learn about their habits. Yeah. I learn, you know, and it, to me, that's 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 why I have the passion I do for. They're such an interesting creature, um, and, and I, I just absolutely love them. And I, I admire what those deer are able to do out there year round. I, I have a particular buck on my property now that uh, he's in year seven, and, and he's beautiful. He's probably a 150 inch deer this year. Wow! I've basically resigned myself to he's unkillable. He, mm-hmm. I, and I respect him for that. I, I just hope that he continues to pass his genes on. But I will get him on camera two or three times a year, uh, you know, and I'll get them a lot during the summer, but during the seasons, I might get them two or three times during daylight. And that's typically peak rut. You know, he, he may make an appearance here and there, but I'm never in the right place at the right time. Yep. And we have a particular area of the property. That's about three acres. That is the nastiest, thickest multiflora rows, mm-hmm. you know, grown up old pasture field that, we use it as a sanctuary. Nobody goes in there. We, yep. I might take a walk through there one time in the spring looking for sheds, mm-hmm. but nobody's, nobody goes in there during hunting season. And, right. and he knows that buck, that particular buck knows that, and that's, that's where he stays. Now, we try to intercept him on the edges, and again, during the rut, you know, he might, he might venture out a little bit during daylight. But I have such a respect for that particular deer because I have watched him from a, from a young four, six-point and then he blew up into a, into a pretty good eight point. And then the last three years, he's been a 10 point and he, he's just, he's just awesome. He's an awesome animal to chase. Yeah. They're, they are, these animals have the uttermost respect from me. I've seen these animals, just the, the shit that they can get, get through and put themselves yeah. through is so impressive and they can live anywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just can inhabit whatever they want. And that's why, you know, humans want to make houses in the woods and stuff. And they're like, oh, well, we have a deer problem. <laughs> well, you put your freaking yeah. house where they live. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're here first, first and foremost. Whenever people were like, well, there's a deer problem there. Well, they were already here. And then, you know, the 
the ability for them to be hit by cars and live for years or deer get shot. I mean, oh, yeah. they're getting shot with rifles, like right. shots that should probably kill them. And it's just their will to live. They live. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not to get crazy graphic. I mean, I know people don't want to hear the, the bad side of things, but I made a bad shot on a buck two years ago mm-hmm. with, with, with a crossbow. Um, and the arrow deflected halfway through and it, 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 it entered front of the shoulder. Um, and it, it dropped him on the spot. It was, it was a 30 yard shot and he fell over immediately and was kicking his legs. I thought, Oh my God, I've never done that before. You know, as far mm-hmm. as like an instant kill, didn't have to track him or anything. And by the time I, I set the bow down and my first text was to my dad, who was hunting on the property with me. I said, man, I just smoked a good one. And by the time I looked back up, that deer was gone, gone, completely out of sight. Couldn't see him, couldn't hear him. And, and Thank God I ended up recovering the deer the next day, but to see how far that deer went with, with, you know, the shot wasn't perfect. It was, it was, it was a bad deflection, but that arrow still entered in the front of his shoulder and went down lengthwise through the body. And that deer still went almost a mile and I, and I found him the next day, but I couldn't believe it. Like my, my respect. And Mm -hmm. I mean, quite honestly, I was, I was so mad at myself over that shot and, and what I, what I put that deer through, I'm like, you know, that, that deer deserves so much better, but the will to live and, and the, you know, just that thing just kept going and going and going. It was amazing to me. Yeah, they, they really are. And like you said, I, I mean, I can get into a couple of graphic stories of deer that I've right. seen. And, um, like you said, yeah, no one really wants to hear about it, but the fact of the matter is that this is the game, you know, it happens. Right. it's, it's, it's part of it. I've tracked deer for too long sometimes and i yeah. actually do have a little bit of a gripe with with smaller caliber rifles um yeah. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of them uh, to be open and honest i i don't really like i understand there's guys that kill deer with 243s and 22 you know mm-hmm. 223s and and all that and that's that's fine i understand that's cool and all but i will tell you that i have tracked a lot of gut shot deer and uh deer that may have been shot in hind quarter and right. I understand that that's not a good shot, but the fact of the matter is, you know, there are things in the woods and obstacles where they can deflect bullets. And um, if those deer were hit by heavier calibers, I truly believe that they would have not went far and died. Right. Um, so, yeah, and in, in, in the hands of, a, of an experienced, you know, person and in the right setting, you know, yes. if you're hunting private ground where the deer are calm, you know, you can get away with shooting with a... I've, I mean, I'll be honest, I've shot deer with a 22250, mm-hmm. but... I choose a very good nozzle partition bullet and my deer are calm. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not shooting them on a the run, Right. but that's not my first choice. Like if I'm going out and I've been fortunate enough, I haven't really buck hunted with a gun for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I'm going out the first day with a gun, I'm not carrying my two or 22, 250 or 243. Right. I'm going I'm to have right. something a little heavier. Yeah. And like I said, I, I understand it. It's to each is their own. And some guys, right. you know, that's an old caliber. So it's used by a lot of people and yes, yep. it will work and it will work well. And like you said, you said it perfectly in the hands of a, of a marksman or an experienced hunter. It's really great. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, again, situation's got to be right for it. Yes. You know, if, if we're going out putting on deer drives, which, you know, used to be the way we hunted, we, we used to put on deer drives. Mm-hmm. We don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, 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 we're lazy hunters now. We have stands all over, but right. Back in the day, if we were putting on deer drives, you'd, you'd 
the old timers wouldn't even let you in there with a, with a small caliber gun. You know, they wanted something big brush busting because if you did get shots, it was going to be in the thick stuff and nine times out of 10, the deer were going to be running. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, the times have changed, man. I, I there's still yeah. a lot of people that drive deer, and uh, my family and I are one of them. But yeah. it's not like it I used to be. I miss it. I miss it. I love those days. I'm so exciting. I yes, I and and there are guys like I've got message from a couple guys. They're like, hey man, I'm not really a big fan of that, and that's fine. We're you know we're all entitled to our opinion, and the, for the right. fact of the matter is that they are right for some things. You know, you need to set that up right, and you need to be with people that know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, it was an art form. Like I said, you know, before we were on the air, we were talking. I, I grew up in the mid-80s. That's when my hunting started in 84, 85, somewhere in that vicinity. Mm-hmm. And that's how we hunted. That's how the old-timers hunted. And and it was uh, it was exciting to me. You know, we, we'd line these drives up, and these drives were done year after year. They were passed down from generations yep. in the same areas. Yep. That's funny. Yeah, it is awesome, though, man. I, I love... The biggest thing that I like about rifle season is, I, I mean, if I get the gun out, I'm all business if I'm hunting alone. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm out there with my family and it's just like, you know, you didn't shoot that deer. It's like the whole group got the deer. Yeah. And it's yeah. like a big camaraderie thing. And it's, it's, it is a lot of fun, man. I, I love it. It is. I, I, I love, love the hearing those first shots of the day and wondering, <laughs> oh, hey, was that, was that so-and-so? Was yeah. that so-and-so? Yep. That's true. It's, yeah. It is a lot of fun, but I do want to circle back into some, some more trail cam talk. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you have been lucky enough to, you know, use, I don't say lucky enough, but you've put huh, a lot of time in using a lot of different cameras. And, yeah. um, do you, do you want to speak on any, I don't really want to blow anybody in like, oh, you know, this complete shit box, you know, if you want to, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, I have, I have, uh, I have two brands that I refuse to use. Okay. Um, I won't name them by name, but but uh, they're they're very popular brands that you'll find in big box stores. Uh, I've just had and I've used them over the past. I've just had no luck with them. They're they're throwaway cameras in my opinion. They're not worth your money. Okay. Um, but I have been very fortunate to uh, to make some great relationships in the camera industry, mm-hmm. and I've had the opportunity to do some product testing. I've also had the opportunity to. Uh, get pictures that have been used on packaging for a couple bigger companies. Um, so I've, I've got to meet and, and work with a lot of great people in the camera industry and it's a small industry. It's a, it's a niche. Mm-hmm. Um, Browning trail cameras are fantastic. I, I love my Brownings. Me too. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't had any major issues and let's, let's just say right out the box, you're going to have issues with every single brand of camera. I don't care if it's a $69 Amazon camera or mm-hmm. a $400 Reconyx. Eventually, that camera is going to have an issue mm-hmm. because you're taking a piece of electronics and you're putting it out in the elements. And in my case, I'm out there 24-7, so they're seeing extreme heat, uh, snow, ice, sleet, rainstorms. Um, there's very, very few cameras that have been 100% problem-free. It's just that something is going to go wrong with them over the years. So what the key is, in my opinion, is finding those brands that are going to stand behind their product that are going to be responsive when you have a problem. So you can go on Amazon, you can buy a $59 Chinese camera. Mm-hmm. And when something goes wrong, good luck getting any kind of customer support. Yep. Now, with some of the companies, and, you know, uh, we had mentioned Exodus earlier. Exodus is fantastic. Uh, they make a great camera. They have a unbelievable, probably the best warranty in the, in the industry. 
They offer a five-year warranty on their cameras, and they're very, very responsive. So if you have an issue, you get a hold of the guys, and, and a lot of times you're talking directly to the owner of the company to troubleshoot. And the same said for Browning. Um, they've been great. Moultrie's been really good for me. Um, yeah, I will talk highly of Moultrie. Um, I've had two bear attacks on the Moultrie cams, mm-hmm. and um, they did not have to do what they did for me. They replaced both those cameras, Yeah. Um, and that yeah. speaks very highly of them. Um, that's, right. that's volumes to me. So I do stand behind the Moultrie products. I use the strike force Brownings. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are phenomenal. Yeah. Um, they, to say the least, to be honest, um, yeah. you know, right now I was telling you, I do have some of the Bow Creek cameras out. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, also, Bow Creeks are excellent. Uh, Matt is a, again, a, a Pennsylvania company. Yes. So I try to, uh, Try to promote him as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the Boat Creek is a Pennsylvania company. They're a smaller company. You're not going to see them in the big box stores. Right. But they put out an excellent camera. And, and if anyone, you know, you want to go to my Instagram account and look at some, especially my turkey pictures from earlier in the spring, mm-hmm. some of my Boat Creek pictures are, are literally DSLR quality. Like they use a great image sensor. And they're phenomenal pictures. So Bow Creek's fantastic. Again, if you have an issue with a Bow Creek, which I never really have, but yeah. you're gonna you're gonna talk to the owner of the company when you have an issue. Yeah. You know, if you message Matt, whether it be on Instagram or via email or give him a phone call, you're talking to the owner of the company. So yeah, that's awesome. You're not gonna get that with with some other bigger cameras, but um, well, so yeah, the Browning's been good. The Moultrie's been good. Bow Creeks are excellent. Uh, I use a lot of stealth cam, uh, especially in the cellular end of things. Um, stealth cam, some of the new stealth uh, cellulars are, are, have been really good. Uh, Tacticam, I use I use probably six or eight different Tacticam cellulars that are doing really well for me. Um, Do you, can you speak on anything with the customer service? I just actually had somebody talking to me about their customer service today. Who's that? The uh, Tacticam. I haven't had any issues myself, but I've had very few issues with their cameras. Okay. Um, I've, I don't think I've ever had to contact them for, for, for something that I couldn't fix myself. Okay. Now, cell cameras are finicky. They're getting better year after year after year. They get better and yes. better. Yes, they are. The, I, I don't know if you have any experience. When the cell cams first came out, they were a nightmare. I hated them. Hmm. Hated them. Hmm. You know, they were expensive. Yes. They didn't work very well. They ate batteries like, like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think I've had any major issues with the Tacticam other than some some firmware issues and sometimes things are self-inflicted and, yes. and I find that yes. a lot in myself. Um, again, running as many cameras as I do, you should, you know, the average guy or who, you should have, have dedicated SD cards for each brand of camera. Oh, you make a good and point. I try to do that, but it some points I mix things up and I will end up taking a card that may have been used in a Moultrie and I stick that into a Tacticam mm-hmm. or whatever brand it may be. And then boom, I got an issue. Something's not working. It's not sending pics. That's because the card was formatted a little bit different, whether yes. it be in a Moultrie or a Browning or whatever, and it went into a separate camera. So my advice would be if you're, if you're running five, 10 cameras, keep your cards separate or keep them brand specific. Yeah. Um, but I found a lot of my problems with cell cameras are self-inflicted, uh, whether it be cards are probably the biggest issue. I, I would say that a lot of problems that, that people have with cameras are due to the SD cards. Um, buy a good quality SD card. Don't, don't buy the cheap 
junk you find on Amazon or eBay. Mm-hmm. I prefer SanDisk. That's I use SanDisk uh, Class 10s yep. because, believe it or not, a, a good card will make a better picture. Uh, the, the right speeds, without getting too crazy technical, the right speeds are a lot faster. And, you know, again, with video, especially if you're running video, get a Class 10 card um, and you're going to get a better video quality. Yeah, I stand behind exactly what you say. I stand behind the SanDisk products. I have been a DJ for 16 years. I store everything that I have on SanDisk stuff, and I trust it. Um, also, with with that, yes, the Class 10s. So um, just to educate you guys real quick, if you don't know, the SD cards come in different classes. A lot of photographers and stuff are going to know this this fact, but for those of you that don't, if you are going to run something that's comparable to being quality, you want a class 10 or above and you yeah. might, you might pay a little bit extra, but it's not much. It's worth, it's well worth it. Right. I, and I've, I've gone down the road. I've, I've bought the cheap, you know, uh, generic unbranded stuff off of Amazon or mm-hmm. eBay. They just, they, they don't last. They, they, I end up throwing them away and I get so mad because I end up losing valuable information. Uh, I, I collect pictures year round and, and I have folders on my computer and I use a couple different softwares to, to track deer and, and particular deer. Mm-hmm. And I get so mad when I lose two or three weeks worth of pictures because of a bad SD card. Yep. Uh, that, that is actually, <laughs> that's one of the most infuriating things I can think of, to be honest, especially oh, whenever <clears throat> you're putting some miles on and you go and hang something like that. And you know, you need that Intel and then that Intel ain't there. Yes, right. that is infuriating. Right. Um, but so we did get to cover a little bit of the SD cards and how that they should be formatted for the camera they go to. Um, one of my buddies, what he does is he just gets uh, little stickers and they just ha- they just use his letters. So if it's a stealth yeah. cam, like he'll write ST. So just take two yes. two small stickers and put it on there and have ST. You know, in case he right. had a. Uh, I don't want to say God forbid <clears throat> spy point or anything um, of that. Quality. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention them, but <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, I'm, yeah. We're, we're, we don't even need to bring it up, but um, so <laughs> there's a good reason I didn't mention them in my favorites, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll leave it at that. Right. So um, like I said, we don't want to dog anybody. I just, I, I've had my fair share of problems and that thing, yeah. that thing has a lot of dust on it. But um, so he just uses the letters and the letter system, so his tacticams, like he'll put a T on, um, mm-hmm. if it's a Browning, maybe BR, if he has Bow Creeks or whatever, BO mm-hmm. or Moultrie's M. Um, and, and that works really well. That way you're not formatting the cards. Now, I will right. tell you, and you may not like these cameras. Maybe, you know, you've run into problems and had problems with them. But me being a public land guy, and I, I do have private land and everything, but <clears throat> the cameras that I run on public land, for the most part, I have probably about 15 of those Tosco cameras from Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. And excellent camera. Yeah, I'll be honest, man. I they are. I don't. Are. I tell guys like buy them. There was one yeah. time I went into Walmart and they were on sale. They were they were clearanced, so they're already cheap as it is. You know, they were twenty nine yep. ninety nine and they were clearanced for nineteen dollars a piece. Yeah, and I, I bought ten of them. Yeah. yeah, I bought. That's they had ten left. They're all here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the no, only I, thing, I, uh, you know, a lot of guys ask me, you know, and that's probably the question I get asked most via Instagram, you mm-hmm. know, messages is. What's the best camera for what's the best bang for the buck? If, mm. You know, can can you find a quality camera under fifty dollars? And that, and that's probably my number one recommendation because 
they're they're good and if you're putting them on public land and, and some idiot comes and steals them or shoots them or whatever you're not out much mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah you you i think they're great uh for what they are you know like they're mm-hmm. not i'm not going to take pictures on them and send it to you and say hey can you put this on the trail camology page right. um right. but yes for what they are they work good um but you know that is a great question uh you know you just said under 50 dollars, so can you touch on kind of like the price range? And then if you don't mind, I mean, you don't have to throw names out and you can do whatever you're comfortable with, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, let's, if we could, could we do a 50 to $100 range camera? Uh, one with a one fifty, and then let's do 150 and above if you don't mind. Okay. Um, a camera that I am super, super high on that uh, originally they, they came out and they were 200, 19 $224 cameras is a, is a bog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you've seen the, the tripods are, they're big on, you know, the bog tripods. Well, bog jumped into the camera game a few years ago and they, they brought two cameras out. One was called a clandestine. The other one was called a bog moon mm-hmm. or a blood moon. Um, they were over $200 cameras right now. Uh, I don't think it's a secret anymore. Bog is getting out of the trail camera business. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're focusing on some different areas. So if you get online and you do a little searching, you can find those cameras. Um, I bought 12 of them, and hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this, but <laughs> I bought 12 of them not long ago off of Natchez. Natchez. Uh-huh. Yep, Natchez Reloading True. Supply. Yep. Um, I, I got them for $39 each. Jeez. They were on clearance. Uh, so I bought as many as I could possibly afford at that point in time. Excellent cameras. So if you're out there and you're listening and you want a top-of-the-line camera for under $100, Google bog clandestine blog, uh, bog blood moon, mm-hmm. and if you do a little search and you can find them online. Nice. That said, they're not going to last forever. That, that's why I bought them when I did. Um, there is an Amazon camera that I like. It, it's a Guard Pro A thirty A three S. Yeah, it's fifty to sixty dollars. Excellent video, excellent picture quality. Longevity's been good for me. You know, the drawback with that is if you do have an issue, yeah, good luck. Right. But for a 50 to to $100 camera, yes. that's probably one of the best ones. Um, for that price, you just eat it and move on. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so the next step up would be, you know, in, in $100, 100 to 150 And that's probably the, the sweet spot nowadays. Yeah. There's a lot of cameras in that range. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is cellular cameras have kind of, they've become cheaper than than traditional cameras so you can get a lot of cell cameras in the 99 to 120 150 dollar range uh bushnell puts out a really nice cellular core that i i I have several of those running right now that you can find those for 99 dollars. actually i just saw them at midway for i think 69 dollars for cell cam now with the cell cam, you, you know, you have the additional cost of a, of a subscription that you're going to have to pay a monthly fee for. And those range anywhere from 5 to $15, depending on the, the number of pics you expect to transmit. Mm-hmm. Per camera, I'd like to say. Per camera, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, per plan. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of cameras in that range. You know, you had mentioned the Browning Strike Force. That would fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bushnells. Um, stealth cams. The... the uh, depending on whether you like see everybody's moving towards the, the cell cams so stealth puts out a deceptor they put out a fusion x this year and those cameras are both under 150 if i'm not mistaken 
excellent quality. Stealth Cam has a very nice app, which which works well. Yeah, and then we talked to Tacticams. I think majority of their cameras are going to be under 150 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of options in that range. You know, a lot of the Brownings, unless you get into that very higher, the higher end, um, they're all going to be 150 or below, or right around the 150 mark. Yeah. And then you get up above that, and that's when you start getting into some, you know, the better quality pictures. If you're if you're looking for true. Uh, Again, I hate to keep saying it, but postcard quality. Right. Uh, you know, and you can get into, you know, some of the Bow Creek, the Bow Creek BC 48. And don't quote me. I'm not 100% sure where the price point is on that now. So if, if Matt's listening, I apologize. But I want to say it's the 150 in that in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent quality camera. Incredible picks. Probably the top two or three camera I've ever used as far as pick quality. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you could you could go crazy and if you if you if cash is no issue and you want to get into Reconyx, Reconyx makes a fantastic camera. It's going to last you forever, um, but they're extremely expensive. Yes. You know, you get into three, four, sometimes five hundred dollars for a Reconyx camera. The benefit to that is Reconyx are made in the USA. Um, hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know bulletproof. that. Yeah. Um, they are able to say they're made in the USA. I don't know the complete breakdown of their cameras, um, but yeah, they're made in the USA. I believe Wisconsin. I haven't had a lot of uh, experience with them, just because, quite frankly, they're too expensive for me. Yeah, right. Um, but well, there's, if, there's if, guys out there that swear by them. If Reconix is listening, we need to get them to send you some cameras so that you can. <laughs> I, I've tried. I've tried. They they haven't uh, they haven't <laughs> taken the bait just yet, but. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, but to be honest with you, you could spend $500 on a Reconyx and you're going to get a camera that's going to last you forever. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the very few companies that if you do have an issue and the camera quits working, they have a repair facility. You can send it back and they'll refurb it and, and send it back to you. Or if it's completely beyond refurbishing, they'll offer you a new one mm-hmm. or they'll offer you a new one at a reduced cost. So they are a great company. I'm not, I'm not down on them. They're just a little outside my price range with yeah. the amount of cameras I'm running. There's no way I can afford three, four hundred dollar, five hundred dollar Reconyx. Yeah. Um, well, they they have their own niche. You know, when we were talking about that earlier, you know, everybody seems like is in their own their own niche. You know, you you have your box store uh, cameras, if you will, and uh, we talked about some of them. And you know, your, their their packaging is going to be uh, pictures, maybe that you've even given them or, right. or made a deal with them, um, or or you have your company's. Uh, like Exodus or like uh, Bow Creek uh, that are consumer direct and yes. they know what you're after as far as you want to get good pictures and you don't want to break the bank because you want to have multiple cameras, you know, right. and, and they right. fit that niche really well. You, you would get that box in the mail and sure it doesn't have all the, uh, uh, the famous hunters with dead deer on it and, and, famous turkey hunters with dead turkeys and stuff on on the pictures right. and all that but when you pull it out of the box you know you, you you're like okay this is what i need and this is what's going to work for me right and uh-huh. i want to say that's probably why you get a better quality camera with bow creek is because they are consumer direct right you're paying f- instead of paying markup you're paying for for the quality components in the camera yeah and, and like i've said uh their uh, bow creek's image sensor is phenomenal which which in turn leads to 
picture quality. Do you quality. do you have any? Because um, I I have experience with this company, and uh, I have nothing short of great pictures uh, coming out of this stuff. But um, I have a couple cameras here from Covert, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever used or had any of them. Um, is that is it? I mean, is it a good? Is it, have you used them? Or is it bad? Good? Um, yeah, I I used Covert almost exclusively. Um, years ago mm-hmm. um covert used to be a family-owned company okay. from kentucky um and they were they were they were very very good quality um and one of the you know us camera nerds one of the holy grails of cameras used to be what was called a covert um a oh gosh i don't know if it was a40 e40 i i i'm i'm drawing a blank on that but they were one of the first couple models of coverts that came out mm-hmm. um and they were phenomenal phenomenal cameras um and then as covert got bigger they ended up selling out to i believe faradine outdoors group bought covert okay. so i don't know if the if the, it used to be the doris family down in kentucky ran covert uh, i don't know if the doris family still involved good people i have nothing bad to say about them mm-hmm. but Quite frankly, the quality of the cameras went downhill for a few years. I had a lot of trouble with moisture. They had mm. um, they had an issue, and I think it was you know insider info. I you know on my part, I think it was an issue with O rings that they were sourcing, and these O rings were breaking down over a few years, and it was uh, they weren't sealing the cameras. So when you get a rainstorm or this time of year when it's very hot and humid out, you would get moisture inside the lens, and you know, obviously, picture quality was horrible. Yeah. So that said, um, I quit using them after a few years, you know, and, and I had my, my original fleet that, that did very well for me for several years. When those started dying off, I didn't re-up because they did have the, the issue with the moisture. Hmm. Um, so I don't know what direction they've gone since, since Faradine took them over. I Honestly, I haven't used any of their cameras for the last few years. Uh, thought that, I'm, you know, I'd be open to, to taking a, a look at them again but mm-hmm. you know you say you have some that, that put out some really good images so the ones that i have are they are made by covert but they were outsourced and i got them for a really good price thinking ah uh, you know maybe these will be all right and i bought four mm-hmm. of them i have them they are the browning sense or i'm sorry not browning um, they are mo- they're mossy oak gamekeeper yeah um yeah. but they're they they're made they're the exact as the black hawk i believe is what it was from covert okay um yeah but they're the census 1080s what they are now i've okay. seen reviews on a, the census 720 and they're not good now i will tell you that this census 1080 that i have has done nothing but good things there's only one complaint that i have and actually when we get off i'm going to send you a video that i got on this and you're you uh-huh. might you might even want to use it it's really really good um but it it has a different format for videos so if you look at the the videos you have to run a prt it, okay. it is not uh, MP3 or I mean MP4 or WMA or WV. Right. It, it's it's yeah. It so PRT is an odd. That's an odd format. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen. So that. I had to use if I use my phone or if I use my my iPad out in the field, I have the program VLC, and you can just drag and drop it in there. But it's kind of a pain in the butt. Like you can't just. Right open your computer or your phone or whatever and just scroll through it and watch the videos you kind of have to like make a playlist drag it all to a playlist and then like click through them so it's not i mean that's kind of inconvenient for a lot of people but the quality that i get from it is it's i mean it's second to none to be honest 
And yeah. um, the only thing I've even seen comparable yet is, like you said, I, I have one of the newer Bow Creeks here, and it's the picture quality is really, really, really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just wanted to see if you wanted to touch on that. Uh, other than that, yeah, I I have all the other cameras that you've talked about, or I've had experience mm -hmm. with with almost all mm -hmm. of them, and I actually have a friend who is a real big fan of the bog cameras and that's funny you brought that up because i yeah. have you know I've, I've looked all over your page and looked at all, all all the pictures that are on there and most of those really good pictures are from those bog cameras they are they are i uh, i was actually just talking to one of bog's uh product development guys today actually mm -hmm. we were trading some messages back and forth and i said man it's really a shame that bog got out of the camera market because they do they they put out some really really good stuff and you know unfortunately it became they just as a company decided to go a different direction yeah oh yeah but yeah i'm, I'm glad i was able to, to snag some of those while i was um mm -hmm. and they're a, they're a unique camera they have a removal viewer which I've, is kind of cool i've You're able seen to that take it out and view in the field yep that is cool Yep, that's different, um, and that's uh, really similar to the covert one that I was telling you about. The uh, that gamekeeper, it actually pulls out of the okay. casing, so like the the actual camera pulls out of the inside, and then you're just left with the shell, like the hinge, um, and you pull that out, and the batteries go in the back. But if you want, you mm -hmm. can hold that in your hand, like you said, and there's a viewer on it. Now it's not okay. as cool as like the bog. I've seen that one. That one's really cool. Um, yeah, you can actually pull the bog out and and. You, you can, can you can put anything in right. it. You can carry it around all your cameras. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. It is impressive, yeah. man. Um, now, I do want to go down the road, Eric, of, of a couple other questions here for you. I, mm -hmm. I want to see what your um, kind of what your ethics are on the camera use. Uh, this is it's kind of a slippery slope, but it is. It is some some guys, and I just want to give you an example. Some guys I talk to think that you know cameras are, are too big of an advantage. Some guys, you know, they love them. Um, some guys just love to get pictures on cameras, you know. And I always tell people right. that there's two ways to run these cameras, right? We have them as a tool, or we have them as a passion, right? Right. And I right. I, I do both. I have a, uh, a one that I put in a crossing that I just get pictures of a whole bunch of different animals on this ravine. It's just mm -hmm. a pinch. And I just like to go check it. And I really don't care what, kind, yeah. what deer I get on pictures there. I just want to see what's going on there. Right. And, um, that's just exciting. Cause I knew, let's face it. I, I feel like it's Christmas morning when I go pull these cards sometimes. Sure. I'm so giddy. I'm skipping through the woods and singing and yeah. humming and uh, I'm all excited. So then you have the other side, which is the, the cell phone cameras. Right. Um, that's where I have seen kind of a pushback a little bit. Um, they're, they're, yeah, exactly. And I have also, you know, seen that there are some states that are there. There's legislation against using some of these cameras. So I just want to kind of pick your brain and see how right. you feel about it. Yeah, it is a slippery slope. Um, and it's all, I guess it all comes down to personal preference. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I'm of the mindset. I like putting cameras out and, and I like seeing what's going on out in the woods and I like challenging myself to catch different creatures. Like, like I, gosh, I tried so hard this past winter to get a weasel and I ended up getting a couple weasel pictures and videos and, but it's just something that nobody, you don't see weasels. Can, I mean, you've been in the woods, how many years, how many weasels have you ever seen? Mm. They're out there. Yeah. Um, the, the same things with mink. And, and just recently I was super pumped. I got my first Pennsylvania fisher on camera. That's awesome. So yeah, I'm always out there. Um, but I do see the ethics side of it and especially with the cell cams and, and I'll, I'll 
tell you right now the big thing with the, with the new cell cams and the stuff that's coming out this year are live live view cameras mm-hmm. where you can pop an app up on your phone and you can tap into your camera wherever it may be on your property and you can pull up a live view mm-hmm. uh from a hunting standpoint i don't quite agree with that i'm not going to condone it um you know if it's legal in your state and, and you're following the laws hey do your do your thing i'm not going to condone it or i'm not going to condemn it i should say right um i do see the ethical issue with that if um you know, let's just use turkey season for an example if i've got a blind set up on a food plot on the top of my property and i have a live view camera What's to stop me from from pulling that live view up at any time during the morning and say, oh, there's where they're at. We should go here or nope, they're not out there right now. Let's wait. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I, And then it's the same can be said for deer season. Yep. Um, if you pull a live view up from a food plot on the side of your property and you say, oh, there's, there's the buck I'm after. He's out feeding. I, I do see an ethical issue with that. Yeah. Yep. I will uh, be on your side on that one. I am not a fan of that. Uh, like you said, to each is their own, and if it's legal, by all means, have at it. Right. Um, and that that kind of steers me into uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is, do you think that trail cameras take away from people learning any type of, or or maybe learning more about having good woodsmanship? Woodsmanship, yeah. Yeah, I would say. I would say especially... Um... You know, and I hate to sound like an old, old guy, um, but I did. I, I grew up in the woods. I grew up in the country um, before cell phones, before trail cameras, before all this. So I spent a lot of time out in the woods, mm-hmm. and I think that's taught me a lot. Uh, today's kids, and again, at the risk of sounding old, um, today's kids and the younger generation, they're all about instant gratification. Yeah. Uh, if oh, yeah. they can't find it on their phone. Right. In in 30 seconds, they're not interested anymore. The the attention span is so. And I've even found that with my own kids when I was when they were growing up and I was teaching them to hunt, um, it wasn't enough for them to just go out and sit in a stand or a blind and, and enjoy nature. Mm-hmm. They had to have a distraction. I had to have a distraction to keep them in the stand for more than an hour, mm-hmm. you know. And that that be tablets and cell phones and iPads and whatever. Um, so yeah, I do I do think that. Uh, you know, putting the cameras out has, has for some, it, it may take away from, from actually learning, but at the same time, you know, in the same sentence, it can actually teach you a lot. If you, if you really pay attention to the data that your cameras collect, you can learn a lot about deer. Uh, you can learn a lot about moon phases and barometric pressure and, and wind directions and, and temperature fluctuations and, you know, when the deer are moving and what, you know, but I don't know that a lot of people really look at that information. Um, a lot of guys, you know, they're just flipping through and boom, there's a good buck, you know. Yep. Um, so I think I think it's 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 a little bit of both. Yeah, it's taken away a little bit of woodsmanship, but at the same time, if you're if you're a student of the game and you you pay attention to the, the data that they provide, you can learn a lot from them as well. And I I, I you know I attest to everything you said there, because moving forward throughout this i don't say this game but just just life you know as technology advances we also have to find what where it benefits us more than just the instant gratification or um you know i know at work everything used to be on paper and that was you know that was the thing now i remember they transitioned stuff and we get uh some protection and stuff 
you know, on, on working on the rail on the phones now. And it's a mobile app that we use. Mm-hmm. And when they first did that, like there was a heavy push, like, you know, our older guys were like, no, why would you do that? Like there's, cause there's so much bad that can happen with that. And it's like, yeah. yeah, but you guys are just looking at the bad. You're not looking at the good that it can do. Right. Um, and now it's just the norm, you know, without it, they're like, Oh, well, you got to do it the hard way. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right. Um, but yes, I, I think you're right. I think the only thing that it hinders people from is this. And I've seen this too many times. It's basically, so you want to learn how to hunt. So maybe you weren't raised in a family or you didn't have a mentor. So you get on YouTube university, just like everyone else does to do anything anymore. And you type in how to be a deer hunter or whatever it is. And the first thing you're probably going to see is, well, here's the cookie cutter answer to learn how to hunt deer. The first thing you're going to do is go buy a trail camera and go put it on this scrape or a bait pal. And if you're in one of them States where you can bait or whatever, and then uh, you're going to learn what deer are there. And that's the first and foremost thing you got to do. But I think that that takes away from guys that have good woodsmanship who can just go in blind. All right. Because that exhilarates me. Yeah. I I love the cameras and I enjoy the whole process, but sometimes when we go out of state or something and we just go to a new area and we start hunting and I find some hot sign and it's good Mm -hmm. sign. I'm excited. You just don't, you don't know. You know what I mean? And, and I'm an opportunistic hunter. So whenever that 110 inch deer that I need to fill a tag on comes up, you know, I'm flinging and it's right. And and I'm I'm more than happy to shoot that deer. Whereas sometimes I think it could hinder knowing that I have pictures of multiple other big deer in that area. That's yes. My situation. Exactly. Yes. It's a uh, double edged sword. I've, I've passed up a lot of, good bucks because i know what else is on there because of my cameras like oh you know this this 110 120 inch eight point yeah would be you know and i'm not gonna say i haven't shot them gosh last year i shot a probably 100 inch eight point i was tickled to death with him (laughs) because it was just such a cool hunt yep you know the year before i probably shot a 100 and yeah and i'll be honest i'm not a big score guy i know a lot of the younger guys are into the inches and yes if i uh if i see a nice eight point and he's wider than his ears and, and he puts on a show and Two years ago, um, three years ago, two, two or three years ago, I used a decoy for the very first time in, in archery hunting. Uh, and I had a buck decoy out. And I had the coolest hunt ever, man. This 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 100-inch eight-point was just, just madder than can be. He saw this decoy on the edge of a field, and he came in there, and I've never seen a deer ears back, hair standing up like a dog just pissed ready to fight Mm -hmm. and i and that was just such a cool hunt whether that was a 100 inch eight point or 150 inch 10 point that deer was getting shot because it was just such a cool memorable hunt for me you know and i'll probably never forget that particular hunt yeah i i have had way more fun hunting deer than i have hunting giant deer yeah now don't get me wrong i have had my share of big deer been able to kill some and unfortunately wounded some or or have totally whiffed Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is I have just as much fun shooting any buck or doe that I do killing giants. And, that, yeah. and that's the truth. I know some people might say, oh, no, that's a lie. No, I, I really do. I just enjoy it. I enjoy the whole process. And, and I really after the deer's dead, that's when the fun really, really starts for me because I love the whole process. I love butchering them, skinning them. Yep. I love getting my hands on them. And then I love the, the process after that packaging my own meat and right. setting everything up the way I'm going to want it set up. And then the, the part that I, I'm really starting to enjoy more than anything is to get to cook them then and yeah. um, trying all these different things that I've been learning and, and really understanding uh, some of the processes of, of really how to make something taste really wonderful. And 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done and you're sitting there with a full belly, it's like, man, I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, yeah. for me, it's like deer season can't, can't come quick enough, but, um, yep. you know, we, we live in a wonderful state for deer hunters and, um, I don't want to say just deer hunters, just hunting and fishing, uh, or outdoor activities. Our, our, our park systems are, is wonderful. Uh, the DCNR right. does a great job here in Pennsylvania. Um, is there some things that you think that we do well here in Pennsylvania? And then on the flip side, I'd like for you to talk about the things that you think that we may be able to take a look at and maybe change heading forward. Yeah, I think the deer management plan is, is actually done very well here. Um, again, going back, I grew up in the heyday of deer hunting where everybody went to, uh, quote unquote, the mountains to hunt deer. <laughs> so we live, you know, and, and at that point we lived in the very southwest corner. So um, we would always head to the big woods, what we called in Clarion and Forest and Warren County, Elk County, Jefferson County, all up there. You know, my family all had camps in those areas, and that's where we went to deer hunt. And when I first started hunting, there was deer everywhere. And now the quality of deer at that point, you quality wasn't such a, it wasn't stressed like it is now. You know, back then, if you shot a spike, four point, three point, whatever it may be on a drive, what I call mountain deer, mm-hmm. man, you were just as happy as if you shot a big eight point because they were tough. But there was a lot of deer. You know, it was nothing to see 40, 50, 60 deer in a, in a day. Then that started shifting, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s. The number of deer and doe license allocations up north got higher, so the number of deer got lower. And a lot of it was due to uh, deforestation issues. Mm-hmm. There was just there was too many deer up north, so they started killing them off. A lot of the old-timers didn't like that. They weren't seeing 40 and 50 deer every day. Yep. So there was a lot of grumbling went on. We, in turn, you know, we adapted to the process. We said, you know, okay, we're not going to go to the mountains anymore to hunt. We're going to stay home because... Wow, we're starting to see some good deer down around, you know, the Washington, Green, Fayette counties, Allegheny counties. Um, mm-hmm. So then we, we started hunting back home. But so I think they, they did a good job uh, navigating that. I know there was a lot of unhappy people. And to this day, you're always going to have your unhappy people. There's, there's still people to this day right now that are unhappy about antler restrictions. You know, you and I talked a little bit about that. Um, when antler restrictions first hit Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. Gosh, they were, there was some very, very irate people. And and I had family members, my dad and my uncles, you know, they, they didn't care about antler size. If, if they shot a good eight point back in the day, and I say a good eight point being a a, a two-year-old with a, you know, 14, 16 inch spread, that, that deer went on the wall and they were happy, but they were just as happy to shoot the small bucks because it was about filling freezers and and camaraderie and tradition and, and that kind of thing. Um, but when the antler restrictions, and I don't remember exactly what year Pennsylvania introduced the antler restrictions, um, there was a lot of pe- people who were angry about that. And uh, I think it's been fantastic because Pennsylvania has the ability to put out some very good quality deer. If you look at some of the deer that have been killed over the past dozen years, they're right up there with, with Ohio. Maybe not the same numbers that you're going to see in Ohio or Kentucky or Iowa or the Midwest, but we have the genetics to put out some really good deer. Um, so the restrictions haven't bothered me. Now, one of the things I would like to see Pennsylvania reconsider would be antler restrictions for senior hunters. I feel like once you're 65, you put your time in, take the antler restrictions away. Mm-hmm. Uh, because let's, let's be honest. I mean, 
things move a little faster and, and you get to those age, maybe your eyesight isn't as good or maybe your, your reaction time isn't as good and, and it, it gets hard to count points. Yep. Um, my dad in his later years, uh, you know, he was still fortunate enough to shoot some nice bucks, but he also, I don't want to say missed per se, but he missed out on some opportunities because he was unable to count points. Um, and it's not, it's easy to say if you're sitting in a, in a, in a box blind overlooking a bean field with, with maybe six or eight deer out there, you know, you see on some of these hunting shows <laughs> with a, with a spotting scope or a good pair of binoculars. Right. That's not always the way it happens, especially in Pennsylvania. A lot of times maybe, maybe you're getting deer running across the pipeline or you're getting deer coming through an oak flat and you don't have time to, to scope them or, or binoculars to, to count points. So I would like to see that go away because I think some of the older guys have given it up because they just they, they don't have the ability or the 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 want to count points uh, they would be tickled i know some of my older relatives they would be tickled to shoot a four point on opening morning you know mm-hmm. just just to get out there i would i would like to see them reconsider that for for senior hunters i have no objections to that also i have had this conversation with multiple people about that. And yes, I, I believe that that should be a thing. And yeah, there, there's lots of deer. And, um, you know, it's funny whenever I get into conversations with people that are, that just think for some reason, we're just going to wipe the deer herd out. Um, no, it's, um, deer are very resilient. Uh, you know, quick story. Gosh, it's probably been 10 years now. We got hit with CW or not CWD, but EHD. Yeah. Uh, down here in the Southwest corner. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it, it, it scared me because it wiped the deer out. Like it, you couldn't ride around in the summertime with your windows down in your vehicle because the smell was so bad. There were so many dead deer that I was incredibly, I was worried. I thought, man, they're never going to recover from this, but within two years, they're back. You know, they were, they were back and, and better than ever. Yep. Well, you know, it's just a testament to what we were talking about before when we come on that <laughs> these deer they could just they can just live anywhere and yeah. uh, actually an older gentleman told me a story about the deer population totally decimated in pennsylvania it that there was no deer and i forget mm-hmm. what year he said that this was there was no deer in pennsylvania and the game mm-hmm. commission actually brought the deer in they brought right. deer back in, and I think that was the Game Lands thing. Uh, it was like yeah. Game Lands One or whatever, whatever the first Game Lands was. And it might not be one, but I, I can't remember the name right. of it. I think it is somewhere down around you. It's either somewhere down there or it's somewhere up around the Allegheny National Forest area, and I can't remember exactly. But um, also, I did want to touch on it was 2002. I remember uh, when the antler restrictions, because okay. I was uh, 12 years old, which you, oh. if you remember, was the. Um, you know, that was the right. That was the, the, Oh yeah. Yeah. The, your yeah. birthright was 12 years old to be able to go out and, and whack and whack one. Yep. Um, you got to sit in a stand and, and, and be part of three day dough. I remember three yeah. day dough. Um, yep. and I also remember the two day, two week, uh, open season. I remember that pissed a lot of people off too. Yeah. Uh, the older guys did not like that. And I, my father and, and all my uncles and all that was not a popular thing. The antler restrictions were most definitely not a popular thing. Um, which is funny because, you know, Dr. Alt can laugh himself to, to wherever. I think he lives in California or something like that now or somewhere mm-hmm. out that way. And he, uh, he really, he really set the precedence for us moving forward as being one of the go-to states for out-of-state hunters to come and kill yeah, some yeah, really nice white tails and, yeah, 
and our, our residents are killing very nice whitetails too. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I think our uh, I think our game commission does a very good job. You look at what they've done with the deer, and and it wasn't an easy sell because of the tradition and because of the heritage in this state. But you also look at what they've done with our black bear population. You know, oh the, goodness, the black yeah. bears is phenomenal hunting. And if you if you don't know about Pennsylvania black bear hunting, do a little Google search. And Pennsylvania kills some of the biggest bears in the in the continent in, mm-hmm. in North America. Mm-hmm. You know, we may not have the numbers that that Canada or some of the western states or even some of the uh, southern states, but our quality of bears in Pennsylvania is phenomenal. Um, we kill seven eight hundred pounders year in and year out. Uh, and, and then you look at what they've done with turkeys. When I when I was a kid growing up on a farm, I can remember, and this this is again probably mid to late '80s, telling my dad I saw a turkey on the farm, and and he he called me everything but a liar. <laughs> so there ain't no turkeys down here. Well, that very first year we saw seven. We ended up seeing them later in the winter, and it was like it was like a community event. That oh my gosh, we saw turkeys. You know. Yeah. Well, then that next year, that, those seven turned into 13, and pretty soon that 13 turned into 30, and then they split. And, and, and you look at now, if you look at the harvest data, southwest Pennsylvania is top of the state in, in, in turkey population. Yep. yep. You know, but I saw that firsthand from the fact that we had zero turkeys to where we're at now, and it, it's, it's just, you know, hasn't been all that long. I mean, it's over the course of the past 20, 25, 30 years. It, it's been a it's been a crazy story yeah i can attest to things coming into pennsylvania i'm uh, seeing bobcats uh, i can yeah. remember there was a and i think i've told this story on the show but there was a picture at the local sportsman's that was like a huge deal i remember people coming from all over to see this picture that was taken in the woods of this bobcat and yeah. uh, my dad and i seen a bobcat in the woods during the three-day uh, doe season and that was a huge deal we told everybody you know everybody call you everything but a liar and then i right. can also remember my pap shooting a coyote and it being a ginormous deal and people from all over coming to see it right um and now yeah look, now I now mean, the coyotes and bobcats are behind every tree it seems like yeah there there's a there's a good bit of them out there yes there is um so but Eric, I, I, I don't have much more for you. I, I could pick your brain all day with this stuff, man. But really what I want is for people to be able to reach out to you and, and kind of get sure. into a little bit more depth with some detailed questions that they may have. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just want you to touch on where they can get a hold of you and kind of where they can follow what you got going on. Uh, I do primarily everything on Instagram right now. Uh, so at, at Trailcamology on Instagram. Please feel free to send me a message there. We can talk. Um, I've also started a YouTube channel by the same name, Trail Camology. Again, uh, YouTube's a little tougher to build, so it's mm-hmm. it's still kind of in its infancy. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting some videos and, and some setup and some review-type videos over there on YouTube. But, yeah, I, I, I welcome any questions. Um, I'm, a, I'm an open book. I don't uh, – I'm not – professionally affiliated with any one brand camera mm-hmm. i don't pro staff for any particular brands yep i have relationships with a lot of brands but those relationships they're they're very open and i will give you unbiased information and reviews on a camera if mm-hmm. the camera sucks i'm going to tell you it sucks i may i may not blast a company publicly but because i'm not paid or or obligated to say good things about any particular brand, I'm going to give you the most unbiased. And that's not always true in the outdoor industry today. A lot of people are going to promote 
um, whatever brand's paying them to promote them, whether that particular brand is good or not, they're going to, they're going to tell you it's good because that's what you're paid to do. Yep. Yep. No doubt about that. And, uh, you know, for now, at least I can say on my end, I'll give you an unbiased opinion and I'm, I mean, I'll always give my unbiased opinion, but I am not affiliated with anybody either. So, right. um, we're free to talk however we want. So, yes, sir. uh, that's, yes, sir. that's the freedom of this game. And Eric, I want to thank you so much for coming on, man. And, and I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how, how this is going to work out for you. And, 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 and I want to watch your YouTube channel grow because right before we come on, I was watching some videos and okay. uh, I just, I can't get enough of watching deer, man. I could just go in the woods and watch, watch deer. And I love watching other wildlife too. I just, my friends always tell me, they're like, Oh, you're so whitetail snobby. Like that's all you, <laughs> that's all you want to talk about. That's all you want to do. And I'm like, well, this is what, this is just me. This is, this is what that's I am. That's who you are. Yeah. That's and, who you are. Uh, you know, you hate it or love it. Now my one buddy says, once he gets me out West, he said he's going to change my game, but we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. So he said, he's got <laughs> well, to- I appreciate it, man. I yeah. really appreciate being on anytime. Any, like I said, anytime you got some questions or we can do this again, we could go down so many roads. Uh, one thing I really didn't touch on is, is batteries. Um, batteries are, are crazy right now. I'm sure anybody that's running a lot of cameras knows the cost of batteries and mm-hmm. the scarcity, Oh my goodness! but we could do an entire show on batteries and, and how I combat, uh, the battery issues nowadays yeah uh, with, with 100 cameras out you can imagine the cost of my batteries well you uh, know what we could probably set up eric is um i can do a little um like a short like a short thing with yeah. you or something like that and then okay. um you know we could we could post that up and maybe give some people some value with that and you know like i said with the experience that you have with the trail cameras goodness gracious i i honestly don't know anybody who has as much experience with the trail cameras as you do because yes there's <laughs> <It's> an addiction <laughs> yeah well there's some people that yeah okay you have your own brand and you you know you've you've got skin in the game and all that but you haven't used every other brand and uh, you know, somebody like you has a lot of valuable information for people to look out for. So um, don't be surprised after this episode drops and, and you really probably start getting some messages for some people asking some questions. So good deal. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. You know, I, I really hope that the, the deer season is really good to you. And um, uh, yeah, it's shaping up nice. I got I got a few I got a few nice ones that are looking good. Good, good. Um, I'll be happy to follow your journey and, and uh, hopefully we can check in with you here soon. Sounds good, Marcus. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. You have finished another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I want to thank Eric so much for coming on here. Lots of knowledge dropped in that one, and I bet you that you're going to play certain parts of that back to hear some of the cameras that he talked about. Guys, like I said at the beginning of this, feel free to reach out to him. I had a great conversation with him off air. He's a great dude. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming through. Keep doing what you're doing blessing us with all the knowledge that you have also guys i need you to rate comment subscribe next week i got something big coming up for you make sure you check in there'll be a video with it thank you so much for the support here we go